experiences and ensure that they are just normal, that they could never, ever be accused of being under the intoxicating influence of the living God. And the challenge of Acts chapter 2 is this. Have our churches got the life of God among them that might suggest that something amazing is happening amongst us? What's the chance at any of our congregations of being bowled over by God, filled with supernatural grace and operating in the New Testament gifts of the Holy Spirit? Not now and again, not every other Pentecost, not by the, dec by the decade, but all the time, normal. I say bring it on. What we read about in Acts 2 occurs when the city is filled with people who are witnesses to the outpouring of the Spirit and 3,000 of them will come to faith in Jesus seeing the Spirit-filled life as the normal Christian life. For the cowering apostles, this was a, a shaky time. They'd lost their Lord, they'd seen him ascend, he told them to wait in Jerusalem until he sent the Spirit, and they were kind of thinking, what on earth is going to happen? But for those 3,000 who were saved that day, their normal experience of God was of a Spirit-filled life. And as we sang that song, Our God Saves, I had to say, my heart leapt. Because I can tell you there are people in here tonight who are so baby as Christians that they did not know the Lord Jesus just a few weeks ago. Our God does save, and we pray that those who join us now will know nothing other than a spirit-filled life, nothing other than that as normal. So then, those 3,000 who came to faith on that day, they were then propelled to be witnesses through the Roman world. And God's timing, you see, is always perfect in that regard. Perhaps some of the 120 had hung around wondering why on earth they had to wait in Jerusalem. Jesus didn't explain to them the whys and the wherefores of what was going to happen. He simply told them what to do and they did it. And dare I say it, it came off. Now I wonder how often God has told you to do something. To do, to do, something to do without filling you in on the whys and wherefores. That's perhaps a picture of what sort of Christian you are. Are you willing to hear the voice of God and act on it without knowing all the details? Do we have to have a committee to decide whether what Jesus has said to us is okay and we can proceed on it? Acts 2 verse 1 said, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And the important thing is this, the day that they had been waiting for came. And when it came, they were ready and they were receptive. They were all there together in one place doing exactly what Jesus had told them to do. And that's the prelude to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just a desire to be open to God and to experience the fullness of his risen life through the power of the Spirit. And so I want to ask, is that you? Are you doing that? If you are, good things are about to happen in your life because you are here in the presence of a very good God. You see, Pentecost is about harvest, and God is harvesting a people for himself, and that harvest is not meant to be tiny. It will be from everywhere. Acts 1.8, our, our text of the year here, last year, says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And any time any church loses sight of that connection, 
they are in trouble. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost for the harvest of souls. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. That's the express purpose of the life of the Spirit and the life of the church. And it says that what seemed to be tongues of fire, sorry, uh, they're an example of what the church must not do, is what I'm about to say. And that is, sometimes the church misses out on doing what God has asked of them. So what happened on this day is there seemed to be tongues of fire. Not perhaps actual fire, but a manifestation of the glory of God. They saw something that looked like a mass of flames come over them, over the whole group. And then it broke up in a single tongue that appeared on the head of each one of them. And the symbolism of that is that they were not only a power as a group, but as individuals as well. You see, God wants to renew not just a few in the church, but all the church. Not just Tynings, not just St. Thomas's, but APC and the Hothouse. Everywhere, everywhere through this town, he wants his church to be fully alive. How important that is. And the thing about fire is that it will spread. Every one of us are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. Fire is a common evidence of the Spirit's presence, of God's presence in the Old Testament. God met with Moses at the burning bush. He led Israel with a pillar of fire. Elijah went to heaven with a chariot of fire. There were manifestations of fire at Mount Sinai, even when the law was given. And this feast was the celebration of the giving of that law. But what was going on was that instead of just being guided by law, we were to be guided by the life-giving presence of God through his Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the signs of wind and fire were doing the same thing. They were attention getters. I, would, I wonder if you remember what God commissioned the nation of Israel to do. In Acts 19 verse 6, God said they were to be a kingdom of priests. They were to represent as a holy people God in the nations. They were to tell the world about the one true and living God. But Israel did not fulfill that calling. Rather than evangelizing the world, they became proud, self-righteous, and exclusive. That is what we are not to become. When God blessed Abraham, he blessed him so that he could be a blessing to the nations. And that is God's purpose for his church. I want to applaud the efforts that go on through the parish to reach out those who are strangers to the love of Jesus. It happens all over this parish, week in and week out. But I want to say to us tonight on the day of Pentecost, please let's make sure that we never move ahead of the Holy Spirit. Let's make sure that all that we seek to do together, all that we seek to do as individual Christians, is energized by the, by the very life of God himself. Another sign was that they were speaking in other tongues, Acts 2.4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The fact that all of them were filled with the Spirit is significant. In the Old Testament, as I often say in, in the Alpha Course, God picked out a few special people now and again. But now through the prophet Joel, he promised that all Christians would have access to the life of the Holy Spirit. So quoting Joel 2, it says in Acts 2, In the last days God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 
even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. Regardless of age, regardless of social status, God's promise in these days is that he will pour out his spirit upon them. I want to pause here and I want to say, do you believe that you are included in that promise? Do you believe that that is for you? Sons and daughters, old men, old women, each generation called to live the life of the Spirit. Not for a few, but for all. That's exactly what was happening and going on on the day of Pentecost. God anointing his people with the Spirit. The whole church is to be charismatic. The church is to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the world. And tongues of fire are symbolic of the passionate infusion of God to make us zealous witnesses that God's people are to give to the world. We believe in the word and the works of God. Therefore, we need the Spirit. And as the 120 spoke in tongues, those listening heard their own native tongue. God was giving them a sign. Some people think that the day of Pentecost, tongues were given to preach the gospel. That is not true. What happened on the day of Pentecost was tongues were given as the people who already knew God marveled at God and worshipped him. It says, as you read those verses that were on the screen there, they declared the wonderful works of God. Because what Peter went on to do was to preach the gospel. But his preaching was accompanied by the signs, and in this case, the sign of tongues. Not like the prayer language that some of us use in our own private prayer life, but here, a tongue that was heard by others in their own language, so that the gospel would be made available to all. So how did they all react? In Acts 2 verse 5, Luke says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under the sun. They were from everywhere. In verses 9 to 11, he lists several nations representing Parthians, who are modern Iranians. Mesopotamia is Iraq, Jews from Egypt, Arabia, Rome, and several other places are mentioned. And what we're seeing is the setup for the spread of the gospel. Now, if you go to Walsall at the moment, you can see many nationalities that make up that community. If you go to Birmingham, it will be even more evident. I've been here only five years. And in those five years, I have seen the community of Aldridge become, just by a tickle, more and more multiracial. Do you think that's just because they're making money? Do you think that's because they can now afford to move into our blessed community? Or do you think because God wants to equip us to be a people who reach out to those from many nations with the knowledge of his love in Jesus? What happened on the day of Pentecost demonstrates the gospel is for all. And our churches need to expand to embrace people who don't sit comfortably alongside of us who want to be of a particular kind. What you find when the Spirit came was that some are receptive. They recognize that what God is doing They don't fully understand what it all means, but they're curious and open to God. Verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? When God does something we don't fully understand, let's inquire what that means. Let's be hungry. I found that when I first encounter God in supernatural power, I ran away. The best deal is not to run away. 
but to ask, what does this mean? It will be consistent with scripture, whatever God is doing. It will be consistent with the purposes of God and the nature of God. But it may look very different to what we're accustomed to. And I believe that we need to be a church. I'm going to be speaking to some Christians later this week and basically trying to say to them, we cannot keep the church as we want it to be. We cannot be those tame people who would never get drunk in the spirit but always know what's going on. We need to be a people who, because God is a God of mission, because God is a God of transformation, we are ourselves changed. Perhaps that's why others were resistant. They ridiculed what they saw, Acts 2.13. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. They regarded them simply as Galileans, hillbillies, nobodies, and of no account. Fortunately, God raises up people who others would not. I don't know how many of those who mocked went on to be among the 3,000 on that day. One thing I do know, that every person there an opportunity to respond to a mighty work of God we need to be the creators of opportunity God has opportunities for you and for me he manifests himself in our lives and then calls upon us to respond I want to be the kind of person who opens up to God and takes advantage of the opportunities he puts before me and I want to say whatever congregation you belong to tonight do you are you hungry for that it's amazing to me that people in that crowd could have witnessed one of the most amazing events in history, a life-changing event in history. And you know what? They went home, had dinner, and went to bed. It's possible to be present when there's a move of God and not to be touched by it. Don't lose out. In Pentecost 2017, I want to ask, are you open? To God the Holy Spirit? Do you want him to work in your life, to renew you, to fill you with his gifts, and to make you truly part of the body, which is the church in this place? I pray maybe so. Amen. I preached this morning on gathering, and I preached and made plain that they gathered at this time because Jesus told them to. And as they gathered, they waited. It seemed like they waited for 10 days, and we've had 10 days of prayer leading up to today. And we're going to now wait. I'm going to invite Mark to come and stand here with me. We're going to wait on God. We're going to literally be quiet and listen to God, to hear him speak to us as a body, perhaps begin to move in our midst, to allow him the freedom, not even to crowd it out with song at this stage, but to wait on the Spirit of God. And as this moves on, uh, there'll be ministry at the back. We want you to take advantage of that. There'll be ministry at the front. We'll be happy to anoint you and explain perhaps what that might involve a little later. But we want to wait first. Wait in order to be receptive and give God room to move. So let's just be still, Mark.